Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Make a difference. Learn how at UNWS. Welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. That would be me. I'm awfully grateful to my friend Jeff Redorn. Matter of fact, he's going to be back in the studio with me on Tuesday at 4 o'clock. We're going to be talking about Romans chapter 7. It'll be great. Coming up in this hour, I've got uh, Dr. Alex McFarland uh, already on our line. He's, I think, heading in his car to pick up his wife. So it's going to be a, a transportation interview, which would be good. I look forward to that. And then... Uh, Pastor Brent Kuhlman will be with me in the second half of the hour. That's the schedule for this hour. You're going to love it. So let me take 60 seconds and bring on Alex. Connecting faith to life. Faith Radio. The way in which he showers his love upon people is not a little trickle spurting out now and then, but he has poured out his love. He has showered his love upon us in order that we might shower his love upon those who seem the most unlikely and undeserving recipients of it. Show me how to spend a life. Each day, together, growing in our faith, Faith Radio. At Faith Radio, we believe in the power of prayer. We have a way you can submit your prayer requests and have others pray for you. Just go to MyFaithRadio.com and click on the link that says Prayer Works. You'll see a button that says Add a Prayer. Click that and then submit your request. You can also pray for other requests listed and then click I Prayed. Experience how prayer changes things through PrayerWorks at MyFaithRadio.com. My guest, Dr. Alex McFarland, is always making a difference for the kingdom. He is an apologist, an author, an evangelist. He's a religion and culture expert and an advocate for biblical truth everywhere he goes. I'm always delighted to have him on. Alex, welcome. Well, thank you, Bill, and thank you for accommodating my connection by son. Well, I appreciate that. I know you're on your way to pick up your bride, so this is uh, time well spent. I'm glad you can do the show. Well, thank you very much. You know, I always look forward to it, and Faith Radio has been so good to me over the past, I don't know, four, five, six years I've been on. Pretty much every other Friday, yeah. I'll just come on this little internal clock when I realize I'm going to get to talk with Bill Arnold That's and his great staff, and, and I always look forward to it. Yeah. And uh, so in North Carolina, we've had snow, which doesn't happen all that often. But yeah, it looks like winter where I am. How about you? Well, we are, we are starting to feel the effects of the potential for spring. Uh, this week we were eight below yesterday and 39 degrees today. So that's kind of Minnesota for you. Wow. Wow. Uh, (laughs) yeah. So when we, when we get down to about 30 degrees, 28 degrees, uh, you you probably don't have a lot of pity for us. I don't guess. No, we, we don't, uh, we don't think that very cold just so you know. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm headed to Ohio. This weekend, it's my privilege, um, Wintersville, Ohio, which is just, I don't know, 35, 40 minutes from Pittsburgh. Um, Wintersville United Methodist Church has built a, a brand-new building. 
Cool. And there's a, an evangelical Methodist church in Ohio. And I have the honor, uh, Saturday night, there's going to be a building dedication. And then Sunday, I'm going to be teaching apologetics. And Fantastic. Talking about sharing the gospel here in the 21st century. Then I will be, and I wanted to ask you this, I'm going to be in Nashville um, Tuesday through Friday at uh, NRB, the National oh, yeah. Religious Broadcasters. Will will you and some of the Faith Radio staff be there? Uh, I don't believe so. I will not be there, but and I'm not sure if anyone from the studio will be there or not. I'll I'll double check and I'll send you a, a text message on that. Yeah, thanks. thanks. Yeah. So, uh, but as you, hey, um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I, I've got big news, Bill. Oh, I've got awesome. big news. Awesome. What is it? And I, I haven't really mentioned it anywhere, so I guess we'll break this story on the Faith Radio Network, but. Dr. James Dobson is going to be with me on Saturday night, June 6th, and the Southern Baptist Convention is meeting in Orlando, Florida, and the Southern Baptist, you know, probably the largest Protestant denomination in America, and uh, I was called about a month ago, and they said, look, we want to have a big conference for pastors and anybody. It's just for anybody, but kind of a, a big rally for praying for this nation, a big inspirational rally to kick off the annual meeting of the SBC, and we would like you to come, and we would like Dr. Dobson, and uh, we know that you know him, and would you invite him? And, you know, Dr. Dobson is wonderful. He does a ton of radio. Kind of hard to get him to come speak somewhere. Um, We've had him in a few events, but I said, well, let me pray about it, and I'll give him a call. And, you know, because we do need a great move of God, and we do need a revival. Dr. Dobson said, yeah, sure, I'll be there. And so I'm so excited in Orlando, Florida. Uh, and folks, please pray. And, uh, you know, my website is alexmcfarland.com. We're going to quickly put something up to promote this. But uh, Saturday night, June 6th in Orlando, as part of the beginnings of the annual meeting of the Southern Baptist. Uh, myself and Dr. James Dobson will be there to have just a, a God and country rally to pray for this nation and to call the church to be passionate about Jesus all over again. Oh, that's fantastic, Alex. I am excited about that. I'm writing that down. I'll be praying for that regularly. Yeah. Um, I know you'll agree with this. Dr. Dobson is just wonderful. I mean, in my opinion, the man is just a national treasure. He loves the Lord. Of course, he was the founder of Focus on the Family. He's written numerous best-selling books. He was Good Housekeeping's Most Admired Man in America many times and has just been a a champion for God and country. And so to get him at at an event like this and to have Dr. Dobson to come and speak is is really an exciting thing. Yeah, absolutely. Say, Alex, were you ever growing up a Boy Scout I was a Boy Scout. Yes, I was. So how do you feel about the organization and what they're going through right now? Well, you you know, it's funny. I've had mixed emotions about the Boy Scouts in recent years. Um, I was a Cub Scout. I was a Boy Scout. And I learned the merit badges and went on the camping trips. And I loved it. And I I still have some of my Boy Scout memorabilia. Um, And, you know, I remember, Bill, as, as you may recall, in the 80s, how uh, there were challenges that went on with the Supreme Court. And I remember donating money. They were trying to have a, a legal uh, fund to fight the uh, 
there were gay activists just mandating that, you know, gay scoutmasters could be participants. And so um, the Supreme Court gave the Boy Scouts victory and said, look, the right is a private organization, privately funded. They've got the right to, to be, you know, uh, vocal in their Christian and moral beliefs. They've got the right to have leadership that they choose. And, you know, um, uh, Sir Baden Powell, that was the founder of the Boy Scouts, the, the Scouts motto includes the admonition to be morally straight. And, you know, I remember all those fights. So I was very disheartened, you know, a couple of years ago when the, the Scouts, after spending years and spending money and winning their legal victory, they capitulated and caved and said, okay, there can be gay scoutmasters, gay scout leaders, gay scouts, transgender scouts. All of that was said this bill. The financial debacle that they find themselves in right now, it's of their own making uh, because they were capitulating to the, the culture adrift rather than standing. They, they did a very un out like thing and they 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 sold out their morals and sold out their convictions and this is what happens um and and this should be a word of warning to organizations churches certainly to our country when you lose your convictions you've lost your foundation and when there is no foundation there's there's going to be an implosion mm-hmm. all right alex i'm going to take a break a little sooner than usual and I'll have you back on in just uh, 90 seconds. Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest. Go to alexmcfarland.com. We'll be right back. Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest. He's joining us today as he's on his way to pick up his wife. And uh, Alex, I appreciate your uh, your insights to the Boy Scouts. I think that they started kind of having their, their moral bankruptcy long before they had financial problems. Is that safe to say? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I heard that they're um, either mortgaging or selling off part of Philmont Scout Ranch. Did oh, you wow. read that? I did not. I mean, you know, Philmont is out west. It's, in fact, I've known a couple of board members of the Philmont Scout Ranch, and that's kind of been the crown jewel of the Boy Scouts organization. Um, many, many, many lives have been touched through experiences at Philmont, and it, it really is sad. Um, and, and let me say that uh, the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts have been in years past great organizations. Uh, just like many of our denominations, like the United Methodist and the Presbyterian Church USA, have been great when they understood timeless, unchanging, objective truth. Because, listen, the, the ebbs and flows of culture come and go, but God, morality, truth, family, 
you know, they, these things are timeless. And, and the surest way to program in obsolescence and extinction is to tie yourself to changing culture rather than the unchanging truth and reality of God and morals. And I, I am a former Boy Scout. I grew up in it, and uh, it was very special to me. But since they've, you know, caved into culture, you know, uh, it doesn't bother me that they would go out of business. I, I, I don't care. In fact, rather than mislead impressionable young lives, it would suit me fine that they do go out of business if they're not going to have the moral courage to stand on truth. I mean, you know, um, there have been other groups like Trail Life USA that are unashamedly Christian and moral as the Boy Scouts once were, and financially and numerically they're exploding. Wow. And so, yeah. So, uh, and listen, I'm not on the board of either group. I, I've got no vested interest, but I do have a vested interest in in truth. And so for any group that doesn't have the courage of their convictions, they really don't deserve to exist, Bill. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, Alex. What When you think of uh, young Christians in particular, do you find or do you understand from them that standing firm on the truths that we find in Scripture and living a life of faithfulness to God is, is a, a slightly more challenging task than it was when we were kids? Uh I think it is. I think it's challenging um, because the, the the really enforced pluralism of the culture is just unrelenting. And Bill, I, I grew up going to Sunday school. It, it, it was age 21 that I gave my life to Christ. But I grew up, and it was just a thing to do to go to Sunday school, and we recited the Pledge of Allegiance. Did, did you were, were you raised in a, in a Christian context, Bill? Oh yes, yes. Yeah. And, you know, even before I really gave my life to Jesus Christ and was really walking with the Lord, I mean, I I knew right from wrong, and I believed God was watching, and I I believed in living right and doing right even before I, you know, gave my heart to Christ. I believed in this country, and I, I believed that, you know, Washington and his men prayed at Valley Forge, and God gave us freedom. And, you know, all those things, you know, that were part and parcel of growing up in America for two centuries, you know, I was, you know, steeped in that. It's harder today because so many kids have never known a mom and dad and lived under the same roof with both parents. They've never, they've never had God and country affirmed. You know, uh, they've had an America presented to them many, unless they've gone to a good Christian school. Most kids, if they only went to public education, they've they've never had God and country affirmed and presented in a positive light. And there's just this unrelenting mantra that all things are true and, you know, all beliefs are equally valid. All behaviors are equally wholesome, which is false. Mm-hmm. And so we Christians come along and we say, well, you know, there's there's right and there's wrong, there's true, there's false, there's there's righteousness, there's ungodliness, and it, it is really a message and a worldview completely foreign to huge majorities of the millennials and younger. 
So that's why we, we need the church to speak. We need uh, leaders that are authentic and, and committed. But, Bill, frankly, we need the Holy Spirit of God to move on the hearts of people of all ages, but especially young people. Mm-hmm. Alex, I was uh, studying this uh, last week in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. It says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And I was finding that expression, you were darkness. Um, so if you are standing condemned because you have not come to faith, saving faith in Christ, it's not that you are living in darkness as much as you are darkness. Well, it's very, very uh, convicting, isn't it? Well, you know, it's, uh, there's some people that go, well, I, you know, I, I, I'm not believing in God, but I'm not disbelieving in him. I'm kind of a... Uh, on the fence a little bit, and but I'm a good person, and you know, the more time you hear that, the more you realize that's just not the spiritual reality of a person who's outside the family of God. Yeah, Jesus said, you know, he who is not for me is against me. And Jesus said, if we don't stand with him, we will scatter or fall. Um, Bill, I'm, I'm in churches every now and then, and They'll sing Amazing Grace, and they'll sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved, and and I've heard this several times, that saved someone like me. Mm-hmm. And I'll get up in the bubble and I'll say, hey, by the way, John Newton's song, the word is that saved a wretch like me. I mean, we don't like to admit it, but apart from Christ, we are wretched. Right. You know, there's nothing, um, <clears throat> alas, and did my Savior believe and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for, and the, the song says, for such a worm as I? And churches will change it to say, for for someone such as I. Mm-hmm. No, listen, we got to admit, we're sinners, we're worms, we are wretched without Christ. Uh, we've got to take the Bible for what it says, and like you said, not, not be darkness, but we need to walk in the light and the truth of God's Word. And w- without Jesus... We're all helpless and hopeless, and so a big part of what's wrong is the entity that Christ put here to be his mouthpiece, the the body of believers, the church. We've got to decide all over again that we will yield to the authority of Scripture, and we will proclaim the truth of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And in Second Timothy 2.25, Alex, it says, opponents, people who are opposing the gospel— must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Not a lot of gray area there, is there? There isn't. There, there isn't. Um, you know, Daniel 12, two says, says multitudes will awake and rise from the grave, some to uh, eternal salvation, some to everlasting condemnation. Matthew seven twenty one through 24, Jesus says, many are going to say in the judgment day, Lord, Lord, we did this and this. And Jesus says, but I never knew you. You see, going to heaven is predicated on having a relationship with Christ. You can't just know about God. You have to have a relationship with God. And, you know, um, I did a a degree in developmental psychology, 
And so much, folks, I would say this, you know, people nowadays say, yeah, but some people are gay, transgender, uh, polyamorous, you know, whatever. Look, um, all of the, the deviancies and sexual deviancy, fetishism, and, and the things that people are beginning to define themselves by, uh, they're all a result of abuse. And what's so dangerous about this world that has tried to redefine marriage and redefine sexual mores, uh, Bill, how can people be saved from sin if if they don't think there's any sin that they're guilty of? Mm-hmm. You know, how can people be forgiven uh, and be born again, repent, if they don't think there's any objective moral truth that they violated? So I'm just going to say it, and it might sound radical, but it's biblical. The devil has blinded millions of people into thinking that there's no need for forgiveness because we're not really that bad. We're pretty good people. Bill Arnold, he's a good guy. If there is a heaven, he'll get in. Alex McFarlane, you know, pretty good guy. No, we're sinners. And now, if you've believed in Jesus, you're, you're a forgiven sinner. And in the eyes of God, we've been declared righteous through the merits of Jesus. But without a new birth relationship to Jesus, according to the Word of God, we're lost. And as hard as that might be, that's a message that we need to proclaim all over again, isn't it? It is, and there certainly are people all the time that wonder if they're positionally right with God. Praise the Lord. Uh, according to his word, positionally, we are right with God if we've turned to Christ. Mm-hmm. And the way up begins with down, humility. We must admit. I'm going to give three words, Bill. Admit, acknowledge, accept. I like. Admit that we're a sinner. Acknowledge that the Son of God went to the cross for me. And there, there might be somebody listening, and you, you understand Jesus gave his life for the world, but my dear friend, he did it for you. Acknowledge that, and then accept. And do you know a beautiful thing? You can pray right now, and the Son of God has promised that if you'll turn to him, he will forgive you. Positionally, you're in Christ. If you'll trust him and call on him right now, we would encourage you to do that. If you if you need spiritual help, I know Faith Radio will will encourage you in your walk with the Lord. So this wonderful station, reach out to them. And, Bill, salvation is like, um, it, it's it's an event, but it's a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, the event, you turn to Christ and are born again. But then the rest of your life is this adventure of growing in the Lord. And we just, this might be the day. God's allowed you to hear this radio show, somebody. So, so true. You can turn to Christ and know that you're yeah. saved. Alex, I've got 20 seconds. I had a listener that said, what was the group he mentioned that is standing firm and doing well, that, that scouting group? Oh, it's called Trail Life USA. Awesome. Thank you so much. Alex, have a great weekend. Blessings on your travel, and I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. God bless you all. Thank you, and thanks, thanks for Faith Radio. You bet. We'll take a short break and be right back with more. Here on Faith Radio. 
praise your name from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. You are my God and all I want to do is praise your name. I praise your name and lift our voices and proclaim. You are my God and all I want to do is praise your name. Welcome back to the show. I'm so glad to have Pastor Brent Kuhlman on again. He is the uh, pastor at Trinity Lutheran. Trinity Lutheran Church in Murdoch, Nebraska. Brent, welcome back to the show. Good to be with you, Bill. Thanks hey, for having me. You bet. And I love going through your website, and I love looking around to see what you're talking about and blogging about and podcasting about. And <laughs> I always think uh, you've got such a great uh, biblical perspective, and you you are a person that speaks with great authority because you go strictly to God's Word. So that's why I love having you on the show. Thanks. Yeah. So I'm looking at the the blog, and you talk about the gift of God's name. And as I read through that, I realize the Great Commission, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I'd love a little bit of a um, um, lesson on that. Okay. Well, I'd love to love to talk about it. You know, when I, when I ask uh, people, now it's based on this text, Matthew 28, 19, whether I'm teaching a Bible class or if I'm doing uh, adult instruction or if I'm doing youth catechesis, when we're studying this text, I'll ask, all right, now, according to this text, and I'll, I'll repeat, I'll say, this text right now that we're reading, what gift does God give you in baptism? And then people will give me all kinds of various answers, but I said, but what does this text say? <laughs> and, then, and then finally we get around to it, and I'll say, let's read it again. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. And then they finally go, is it the name? Yes, that's exactly right. The name. And I emphasize this for a reason, because I think Christians have kind of overlooked this. We're so familiar with Matthew 28, 19, on the going, you know, and making disciples. But sometimes we forget that in the process, how God makes disciples— you know, in Matthew 20, 19, it's done by two ways, baptizing and teaching. And we're talking about the baptizing right now. So one of the greatest gifts that God gives his people is his name. And one of the reasons that is, I'll illustrate it this way, it's access. By giving you his name, he gives you access to himself. Let me illustrate. Let's pretend that you and I don't know each other. And you're on the side of the road and you're broke down. And I'm either walking by or driving by, and I kind of, you know, slow down and take a look. But, you know, you look weird, so I just, I just keep on driving. Now, you, you wave your arms, and you say, hey, hey, help me. Can you help me? And I, hey, I just weird. Got, I keep And going. I just got weirder. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> However, everything changes in our relationship. When I come up to you, and I give you my hand, and I say, hello, my name is Brent Kuhlman. Now, in the speaking, I gave you my name And by giving you my name, I give you access to me. So Mm -hmm. let's go back to my analogy. So you're stuck on the road. You're broke down. I'm walking by, and you need help. And so what do you say? You say, hey, Brent, can you give me a hand? I say, oh, yeah, Bill, what do you need? Mm -hmm. And so when God gives you his name, that means you have access to him anytime, anywhere, anyplace. And what do we call that? We call that prayer, don't we? Mm -hmm. So— Again, to illustrate or to make the point from Matthew twenty nineteen that in baptism, God gives you His name, and when He gives you His name, He gives you access. And one of the ways that you uh, access the Lord is in prayer, calling upon His 
name. This is why Christians pray, and when they say God, usually implied as Father, and a lot of Christians will usually end their prayer in the name of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Or more formally, more formally in church, like um, we'll pray specifically to God the Father, and then we'll end the prayer how? Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you, that's the Father, mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. In other words, if you don't, if God doesn't give you his name, let's speak of it negatively. If God doesn't give you his name, you don't have access to him. This is very, very important. Mm -hmm. So back to our text, Matthew 28. God gives you his name in baptism. And I've described one of the ways that this is important. He gives you access. Another thing is that when God gives you his name, he gives you himself. Because in the Bible... God and his name always go together. You can never divorce the two. So let me give you an example from Scripture. In Exodus chapter 20, it's verse 24. Remember, the context here is uh, Mount Sinai. Ten commandments have been given. And God tells Moses to build an altar of earth for him. And that's where he says you can offer your sacrifices. And then notice what God says. Wherever I cause my name to be honored, notice name. He promises two things. I will come to you, and I will bless you. Now, I'm going to review that so our our listeners get that down pat, because they've got to learn this biblical truth that I just mentioned. That with God's name, God is there. Or flip it. Where God is, there his name is. So Exodus 20. Wherever I cause my name to be honored, I will come to you, and I will bless you. Think of Matthew 18 when Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So my point here in Matthew 28, God gives you his name in baptism. He gives you access. And secondly, he's giving himself to you. He's actually there for you to help you and to bless you, as Exodus 20 teaches or as Matthew 18, Jesus says. Now, another to connect on this or to piggyback on this even more, it's one thing for God to be God. Now, that's true. God is God. But it's quite another thing when God promises to act and to be God for you graciously and salvationally, or as I like to say, salvifically. And so when God gives you his name in baptism, he promises to always be God for you to be with you, to be gracious, forgiving, etc., to give you salvation. Is that making sense? Tons of sense, and it just it warms my heart as you're saying these words. Well, see, th- we have to make these proper biblical distinctions. Right. God is God. Right. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is when God promises, hey, I'm God for you. And how do you know that? Well, he gave you his name mm-hmm. in baptism. I don't think we have focused on the value of being called by God's name. Right. Or God giving us his name. Or God giving us his name. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And uh, just to push this even further, I want to review what the Scriptures teach, that not only does God give you access by giving us his name, not only does he promise to be with us, to bless us by giving us his name, but he promises to save us with his name. So you remember... Um, in Psalm 54, the psalmist says, Oh God, save me by your name. And you remember in Acts 2, when Peter is preaching his Pentecost sermon, he quotes Joel 2, 
when he says, everyone who calls on the, now notice, the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you're picking up what I'm throwing down, name, name of God and salvation go together. Mm -hmm. Let's do some more just for fun. In Matthew 1, you remember Jesus is given the name, or he's given the name Jesus. Uh, You shall call his name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. Literally, the name Jesus means Yeshua or Yahweh saves. Um, John 20, you believe that you may have life in his name, life in his name. Acts 4, salvation in no one else, no other name given among men by which we must be saved. Acts 10, to him, Jesus, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Now catch this preposition, through his name. So what I've been trying to do, and I hope, I hope this is making sense, Tons of sense. is that in Matthew, in Matthew 28, we've kind of overlooked the great gift that God gives us in baptism. It's his divine and saving name. So one of the things that I like to, to continue to teach and preach about this is that when people are baptized, you are on the receiving end of a gift from the Lord, and that is primary. And I can't emphasize that enough. We, when we are baptized, we are on the receiving end of receiving a gift from the Lord. And what is it? It's his name. Well, how's that for you? It's fantastic, Brent. I just, I love all the biblical sources that you brought to this discussion. I love that you're reminding all the listeners about the enormous gift that we receive when God gives us his name. And through that, we have access to him. And without his name, we don't have access. Right. Let's push that further, shall we, Bill? No, That's let's why do it. Jesus, we, in Luke's gospel, you remember, when uh, some of, you remember, Jesus is by himself praying, and then some of his disciples come up to him and they say, hey, teach us how to pray like John the Baptist taught his disciples. And so Jesus says, all right, when you pray, pray this way. Say, our Father, who art in heaven. Notice it's not generic God, oh God, Mm -hmm. but it's the specific God, the Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, you see. And again, this is very important. And notice there's a commandment hooked with this too, Bill, with the name. It's the, well, for Lutherans, it's the second commandment. I don't know how you number the commandments, but for Lutherans, it'd be the second. So uh, do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And so how do we properly use God's name that he's given us in baptism? We pray, we give thanks, we praise, etc., by using his name. And and what's his name? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, what's interesting, if I may, on the 30-day anniversary of 9-11, I was at home, and I turned on the television, and there was a, there was a, how, how should we say it? There was a commemoration of 9-11 on the 30th day after it. And the Jewish fire chaplain of New York City and the Christian fire chaplain of New York City held this service together. And the Christian fire chaplain lost his nerve and didn't pray like a Christian. Mm. What do I mean? Well, you know, when he prayed, he just simply said generic God. So who knew what God, to whom he was praying to? He didn't say Father, Son, Holy Spirit, nothing. But most Christians, when they pray in a context like that, they're going to pray to God the Father through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, 
who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. He didn't do that. Secondly, when they recited the, the uh, Psalm 23 together, guess what the Christian fire chaplain did not say? Most hmm. Christians, after they, after they pray, sing, or say a psalm from the Old Testament, they will always end the psalm this way. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. My point is this is when that Christian fire chaplain on the 30-day anniversary of 9-11 prayed, God didn't listen to his prayer because he didn't use God's name. You only have access to God in prayer by his name. Now let's push this further. You know, we Lutherans were creedal Christians, so we confessed the Apostles' Creed. You know, I believe in God the Father Almighty. Well, there's a lot of people in the church, a lot of Protestants who say, you know, we're going to change the creed. And we're not going to refer to God as Father anymore, and we're not going to use these patriarchal terms of Father and Son, etc. So we're going to change the terms. Got news for you. When you no longer confess God according to his name, not only do you not have access to him, but you are committing idolatry itself. And that's what you have in a lot of the new Protestant hymns, by the way. Watch this very carefully. Hmm. They call it, what, gender-inclusive language right. or something like that? Neutral and I forget the name of it. Yeah. And I think of Psalm 23, Brent, and he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Oh, yes, yes. Thank you for bringing that up. And that's crucial, too, because you remember, for his name's sake. Mm-hmm. For example, you remember that when, when Israel is at Mount Sinai, Moses is up on the mountain. This is in the book of Exodus. And remember... Uh, He's not coming down the mountain fast enough, and the Israelites tell Aaron, hey, make us God. And so Aaron, you know, to make the long story short, he, uh, he says, well, give me all your gold, and he makes a golden calf, and they fall down and worship it. And Moses, of course, is told by the Lord to go down, and you know what he does. But the point is, is that Moses intercedes for the people, but notice how he intercedes. He, he, I'm going to paraphrase. He essentially says, look, your name's at stake here. You've promised to be for these people. So your name's at stake here. Don't start over with me. Don't destroy these people and start over with me. No, they're your people, Moses says, and your name's at stake. Notice how this works all throughout the Scripture. <laughs> God, God is faithful to his what? To his name, which means mm-hmm. he—so let's push this how we started with Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. So when God gives you his name in baptism, he promises always to be God for you. So you can fall away from what God gives you in baptism. You can lead an unbelieving life for a long time, but God's not going to forsake you. So there's always the opportunity for what? For repentance and faith to come back and say, you know what? God, you promised to be God for me according to your name. I'm claiming that right now again. I repent and I believe. And God will say, yep, that's right. I'm always here for you. Remember the prodigal son, the waiting father? Mm-hmm. Similar, very similar. Yeah. He always remains faithful, doesn't he? Yes. That, and see, that's, what, that's, why, that's why this is certain and sure. Now, you see, if, if baptism is primarily something that I do for God, instead of what I've been emphasizing here from Matthew 28, it's primarily something that God gives to us, well, then it can never be certain and sure. Do you understand my point? Mm-hmm. If, I'm do, if I'm the one doing the primary activity in baptism, instead of God— my works are never certain and sure, but I'm here to tell you that God's are, his gifts are. 
And that's why, that's why Jesus then, I think, in Matthew 16, 16 says, you know what? You believe and you're baptized, you're saved. That's a promise from the Lord Jesus Christ. And I contend, Bill, that that's based upon his mandate of baptizing all nations in Matthew 28, 19. Mm, and I think, I think this, is, this is also, too, I think, why Peter in Acts chapter 2 when he says, you know, be baptized every one of you. Now, the every one of you matches what? It matches the Matthew 28, make disciples of all nations. So be baptized every one of you, and notice in the name, in the name of Jesus. And what's the promises given for the forgiveness of sins? You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If I may, do we have enough time for me to talk about being given the gift of the Holy Spirit? We do, but I need to take a break first, and don't you dare lose your momentum, because you're on a roll right now. <laughs> right. All right, Doctor, I'm sorry, Pastor Brent Kuhlman is my guest. He's the senior pastor at uh, Trinity Lutheran Church in Murdoch, Nebraska. We'll take a short break and be right back. show. So glad to have Pastor Brent Kuhlman on the show. Gotten to be kind of a regular guest, and I sure love it because I learned so much when he comes on. And uh, we're, um, uh, he's all the way from Murdoch, Nebraska. So uh, right before we went to break, you had something all queued up to tell me. Acts 2, verses 38 to 39. And it matches Matthew 28 in many respects. So for example, Peter says, be baptized every one of you. That matches the make disciples of all nations. And notice it's done in the name, in the name of Jesus. And then he says, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, how in the world can Peter say such things? For the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, it's based upon Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, because I've taught us, I've tried to teach our listeners that in Matthew 28, God gives you his divine and saving name. God mm-hmm. actually gives you himself and everything that he is and everything that he has. So, for example, when you're baptized in the name of the Father— God the Father says, I'm God for you, and everything that belongs to me is yours. Same thing with when you're baptized in the name of the Son. Jesus gives you everything that he is and everything that he has, including what? His Good Friday death, salvation, and forgiveness that goes with it. And when you're baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit promises to be God for you and to give himself to you as a gift. So this is why Peter can say, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He can say that because you're baptized in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, this is just absolutely remarkable, Bill. He says, this promise, which one? Well, forgiveness and gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you. For you talk is gift talk in the Bible. For example, when Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper, 
in like in Matthew 26 and in Mark's Gospel and Luke's, and as Paul recounts it in 1 Corinthians 11, notice Jesus says, this is for you. He says it over and over again. So my point is, for you talk is always gift talk, which reinforces what I said earlier, that baptism is primarily a gift from the Lord to us. So in Acts 2, Peter says this promise is for you, then he says it's for your children, and then he says it's for all, okay? Mm-hmm. Interesting, too, that in Acts chapter 22, when Paul recounts when he got baptized, the pastor who baptized him, when Paul recounts it, says, what are you waiting for, man? Get up, be <laughs> baptized, and wash away your sins. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and by the way, the Acts 2 passage and the Acts 2 20, 22 passage that I just quoted, when Peter says, be baptized in Acts 2, and when Paul says in Acts 22, the Greek grammar there is passive voice. So any of you who are English majors know the difference between active voice and passive voice. Active voice is when you're doing something, like I ran down the street. I'm actually doing something. But when it's passive voice, like it is here in Acts 2 and Acts 22, that means it's done or given to you. But the point now, furthering this in Acts 20, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins. Well, how in the world can that happen? Well, because God gives you his name and everything that belongs to God, everything that Jesus accomplished on the cross for you, he's now delivering with his divine and saving name in baptism. Brent, I just don't know why I haven't dwelt on that more often, that I have received his name. I don't know. It's, well, I hope, I hope this has been edifying for you. Oh, it's been fabulous. It's been great. And I know listeners will be uh, very blessed by this because it's so powerful. Um, and just to be reminded, you know, when you think of Acts 4.12, when Jesus, when, you know, Paul says salvation is to be found in him alone, in all the world there is no other name by which you can be saved. And you think of the power of the name of Jesus, there's nothing that divides a room faster than that. That's right. And when he gives you his name... That's the greatest gift. You, it, it, as I like to say, it's salvific. It's salvational, it which is. reinforces the biblical teaching that salvation is purely by grace alone. God's the one giving you the gift. And what's faith doing? Faith says, thanks a ton. <laughs> That's how faith talks. Mm-hmm. Faith says, gift given, gift received, amen. That's how faith uh, talks when it's, it's given a gift like that. <laughs> it's It's so powerful. Um, again, I think this is um, uh, something that we need to uh, revisit and we need to focus on, we need to think about, and we need to just praise God for what he has given us, his yeah, name. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks be to God for giving us his name, you yeah, betcha. Yeah, so your uh, blog is brentkuhlman.wordpress.com, is that correct? Oh, boy, I don't know. All I do is just do a Google search, and I just type in Brent Kuhlman blog. <laughs> All right, and I'll, I'll instruct my listeners to do the same, Brent Kuhlman, K-U-H-L-M-A-N. And That's right. If they just do, if they do, just type in Brent Kuhlman blog, they should be able to find it. Yeah, terrific. And Brent, as always, so nice to have you on the show, and thank you again for making time to, to be with us. You're welcome. God be with you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Again, Pastor Brent Kuhlman has been my guest. He is a pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in Murdoch, Nebraska. And uh, I just pray your blessings this weekend. I hope that you have a fantastic, restful weekend. That wraps up the show for the week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for supporting Faith Radio. It's Friday, so you know it's time to ring the bell. See you next week. 
Hi, I'm Ted Ross with the Faith in Life Minute. The uniqueness of the Christian faith centers on the resurrection. Here's best-selling author of The Case for Christ, Lee Strobel. If I wanted to get at the question of whether Christianity or any other religion is true, if you want to boil that down to just one question or one issue, it would be the resurrection of Jesus. Because Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. He once got up before a group in John 10, verse 30, and said, I and the Father are one. Jesus was not saying, I and the Father are the same person. He was saying, I and the Father are the same thing. We're one in nature, one in essence. So Jesus made these divine claims, but so what? I could make those claims. You can, anybody can make those claims. But if Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, died, and then rose from the dead, then that's pretty good evidence he was telling the truth. And we see that in Paul's writings in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17, where he said, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. So that is the ballgame. There's more from Lee Strobel at MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.